I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. International hairstylist Jawara is one of the most sought-after names in fashion. The senior beauty editor at large of ID Magazine has a number of notable accolades under his belt, including a British Fashion Council New Wave Creative Award, as well as Business of Fashion 500 and Days 100 rankings. Jawara first started his career in a salon as an assistant in Brooklyn when he was just 16. After graduating from the Fashion Institute of Technology and Aveda Institute, Jawara moved to London and began assisting industry legends and was eventually mentored by icon Sam McKnight. Uh-huh. In 2013, he began working independently and soon garnered the attention of many influential names, including musical talents Cardi B, FKA Twigs, and Solange, to, with whom he has worked extensively. Jawara's work is frequently featured in the pages of British Vogue, Vogue Italia, ID Magazine, T Magazine, and W Magazine, among others. His impressive roster of clients include Burberry, Off-White, Gucci, Calvin Klein, Chloe, Chanel, and Hermes. He's also staged several exhibitions celebrating Jamaican and Black culture through hair. Most recently, he created an exhibition called Course, The Edges of Black Ingenuity, and it was critically acclaimed. Gerara, welcome in my chair. Ah, Thank you for having me. (laughs) I am so excited to have you in my chair because I have been watching you shoot to stardom from Facebook, um, Instagram rather, I'm not even on Facebook. Um, And it's just been so cool to see like, you know, this, it feels to me like this is your time. Do you feel like you're having a moment? I, um... I guess in a sense, yeah, but a part of me still feels like there's a lot more to do, I guess. Right. Um, so yes, yes, I do feel like, I do feel like I, uh, I do feel like a lot of the goals that I have set out to do, um, I'm seem to be doing them. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I do feel like it is a bit of my time, but I also believe that I'm a bit blessed as well. So. <laughs> Did you, all your hard work you didn't just come out of nowhere you've been really no, 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 no. for I've a long at, time i've been at this for a very long time um and it just so happens that you know i think now i'm starting to kind of feel the fruits of the labor which is great so yeah to your point yes i do so like. before we started um and i was like we should just start recording because i was asking you all of these things um you told me that you are in the process of coming back to your hometown in new york Yes. Well, at the moment, I'm living between London and New York, um, but I'm pro- I'm coming back to New York permanently. Um, I'm still probably traveling and working in Europe, but yeah. I'm Are you excited of- about that? I'm excited about coming home. I'm from here. Um, I am born New Yorker. Born. I was born in New York, but raised in Jamaica, and then you know lived, came back to live in New York. So I consider myself like a true New Yorker in the sense of like everything. So um, I'm excited to come back. So when you were growing up and you came back to New York, did you feel like you were from a dual kind of culture or nationality? Yes. I don't know if that's the right word, but I still do actually. You do. Yeah. So you came, when you came from Jamaica and you were like, I'm assuming in high school, did did it feel so different for you that like, I mean, I came, I came back a bit earlier than that but i think mm-hmm. me um it didn't feel a lot different because my parents always 
the you know we were always traveling between jamaica new york jamaica new york okay even though i was living in jamaica i was here a lot so um it felt like an easy transition um there are a few things that are quite different but i've always in my life i've always been between jamaica and new york you know it's kind of like having two homes in a sense so Um, when you were a boy and you were kind of in your aunt's salon kind of helping mm -hmm. out in that world of hair and then decided that you wanted to be a hairstylist how Mm -hmm. was that like a received by your family and then b how did that feel in your your kind of to other kids your age about declaring that you wanted to do hair i think it felt a bit weird um at first to the kids uh, the to the kids my age but i think it wasn't a clear shot of like, okay, this is what I want to do. I played around with it for a while. And then I like kind of went back and forth with it. Cause I did that in sports as well, but I was just so astonished by being in the salons for long periods of time. And just the whole idea of hair culture and people coming together and talking and sharing things kind of really captivated me. So, um, I think at first it was like, okay, what's going on? And then eventually I think it was like, oh, okay, that's what you want to do? Okay, good. We're supportive. I've always been supported by my family and always been loved and supported by it. But of course, like, especially in Jamaica, the society that I was living in, it was kind of looked at as like, okay, what's going on here? But it was never anything like, um, you know, like it wasn't shunned or anything. It was just like a bit like, I think people were trying to figure out what was right. going on with me. And um, what about now that you've you've got a name for yourself going back? I mean, I mean, I mean, it's amazing, you know, when I go back. But I think I've been supported. Funny enough, I've been supported kind of the whole time from family and friends. Um, I think that people in the community at one point there was like the bits of it's like people had some contention with me doing it. But I think for me, I've never really cared about what people thought. I've always cared about what I am doing and what I feel and what, you know, of course my family's feeling and it's always been this and supportive. So did you come out that way? Just not really caring come about out. what people thought? Like, were you just born that way? Oh no, 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 no. At one point I, I, I did care, you know, when I was a kid, I did. Um, but I think for me, I kind of like really jumped into myself and really did more research on like what I'm feeling and what matters to me. And, you know, I, I think I've gradually turned into this person that definitely makes sure that I am doing what I feel comfortable doing as opposed to what other people would have me do. That's incredible though, because mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people that never get to that point where they can yeah. go, I am this way and I'm going to put in some work and figure out why, what I need to do to feel differently about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I think that, you know, it's not an easy thing to navigate at first, but um, if you take the time to like, really like, it sounds so cliche because everyone is saying this now, but it's something that I really did when I was younger is to really take the time to like, look into yourself and figure out what you feel what you're feeling and tap into like what you naturally feel inside as opposed to what you're learned or taught or anything, you know, it it, is a lot of power that you can unleash. Was that um, like a moment you remember or was it over like a gradual thing over time? A gradual thing for sure. Yeah. A gradual thing for sure. I was also raised by uh, two, my parents are very like, you know, they're really strong on believing in who you are and what you are and that type of stuff. So it's really, really cool. Well, you come from a line of like really successful and talented musicians, right? Yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot of musicians. There's a lot of reggae legends in my family. So 
Um, I grew up watching a lot of performances and shows and concerts and, 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 you know, tours. And, and, you know, I think hair was a big part of that too. Clothing was a big part of that. Getting dressed for shows was a big part of that. So that, I think that had an influence on me or that, that kind of had an early influence on how I view the world as a kid, kid, kid. So do you think that that's why you're comfortable backstage? Because ultimately it's a show. Yes. That's why I'm comfortable backstage and that's why I'm comfortable traveling. Mm. I've always kind of been in those atmospheres. I'm also, you know, my mom is, uh, was an, is an actor slash into like reggae legend. And, you know, I remember like coming out of school at like 2 PM and having to meet her in Manhattan on set for like, you know, uh, magazines and album covers and stuff like that. So I think that's also why I'm comfortable on set as well. Did you know that that was kind of different? Like not yeah. every kid was going, had that yes. awesome experience. Yes. Because when I would talk about it at school, people would look at me like I was crazy. And can you share who your mother is? Cause I know everybody's going to want to look her up. Oh, my mother's sister, Carol. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen, I've been, you know, obviously I know your work, but I've been also looking at it to prepare for this interview. And I wanted to ask you two part question is, what part of being Jamaican and, you know, Jamaica influences the work that you do? And then also on the other side of that, what part of being a Black American influences what you do? And are they, are they separate? I think that um, my experience in both places and just being raised dually have definitely influenced the way I view the world. I think that people who aren't raised in those atmospheres don't understand how sophisticated and intricate hairstyling in that world is mm-hmm. and how um, in detailed and talented a lot of these people that are doing here in this world is. And I think that that's definitely influenced the way I view the world. Um, a process that would normally take someone many steps, you know, in the world that I was raised in, it, it it's done by one person in a faster time. Um, How? Why is that? I, I don't know. That's just the way how it is. That's what I've been trying to figure out my whole life. Is it um, because they had to, because it's only one person doing that? No, you have just, to be quick? Just, natu- just naturally skilled, like so much more is expected of you in that world to perform. And, you know, I think for me, when I started working with other people and working with other teams, working with other things, I just felt like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. I, you know, I learned this on one head and we had to do it in 25 minutes and you had someone else waiting and you have like 25 clients in the front. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. As opposed to like, okay, there's like four people uh, doing a ponytail. It's like, um, <laughs> you're just very capable. Yes, in that sense. And I didn't realize that until I started like spreading my wings and working more in the industry. And um, it was really, really interesting to see the dynamic of just how those things are, um, which is not a good or a bad thing. It's just like, an, a, it's just something that I've noticed. But I think definitely as far as like the cultures I was raised in influencing me, it definitely has influenced the way I view the world and the way I, how I've integrated my life and my culture in the fashion world. Um, I was always into fashion, always into fashion magazines, looking in fashion magazines, trying to find out who does the hair for this, 
but um, there wasn't much representation of what I was seeing around me and all the beauty in the hair and the mm. styling and the clothes that I was seeing around me in fashion magazines. And I always wondered why, because that's such a disconnect. Like this, I was living around people that was dressing otherworldly and and and, and wearing intricate things and 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 you know like you know, just crazy hairstyles and like very, what I believe at the time was avant-garde and it wasn't being documented. So I always said, um, when I do go into this world, I want to shine a light on the people who have influenced me to be where I am. And I think that's what I integrate in my work a lot. So I would say that the fashion industry, like, I think it's changing a little bit, but obviously I don't think it's anybody would disagree that it's very, um, how do you say like Eurocentric, um, you know, it's very focused around a certain ideal that has been there for a really long time. It hasn't been inclusive. It hasn't really been as multicultural as it could be because everyone was one thing for a long, long time. Yeah. Also, I know that you've done backstage work and, and worked in editorials and under people who are, all of us are under that umbrella still. So mm-hmm. I'm curious as to how, because you kind of have stepped out of that and merged the worlds of kind of black hair culture and this kind of, um, kind of the old guard, you know, world of fashion that you assisted in. How did you, how did you have, I don't wanted to say the courage, but how did you go from being like, okay, I'm, I was assisting and we were doing these looks backstage, but I'm actually now, going to bring my culture into this? Well, I mean, I think it started personally from my assisting days. While I was assisting, um, there were things that would be asked of me and I would do it in a way that would normally be done and it would impress the people I was assisting. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, you did that quick. Or, oh, you did that in, oh, I never thought about doing that that way. And uh, I realized, oh, wow, like, I guess the way that I've learned naturally how to do things is not really used a lot in this world. And I figured it would be amazing to merge the two worlds together. And that's kind of like what I started doing. Um, As far as the courage, I've always been the same person. And I always have said, no matter where I go, I cannot not be who I am. So I think it's within me to just do that. Um, you know, and and I, like I'm a person that likes to look at things, and I looked at the industry, and I look at all the things I was seeing, and I was backstage at all these amazing shows, and traveling, and doing these big campaigns with with people that I was assisting, and I just kept saying to myself, "This is amazing, but it can use a bit more. Mm-hmm. It can use a bit more of insight." from this other world that is so beautiful and intricate to me, and and, and sophisticated. What would and, but how did you get from that point to get to show that? Was it working with a certain artist I who let you it, do your thing? I think, or I think the first time when I was testing with photographers, like unknown photographers, I was, intri- I was trying to integrate that in it. You know, I've been always trying to integrate that in it because that's kind of like what I know. I mean, I consider myself a person from, you know, that is influenced by a lot of different things and, you know, when I was a child, of course, I learned on black hair, but I, as a teenager, you know, you go to hair school, you learn on different types of hair and then working in Manhattan and working in, uh, multicultural salons where you have a few white clients, you have a few black clients, you have a few Asian clients, you know, like, 
but then, you know, it's like mixing all of the worlds that I learned together in one. Um, but essentially being from Jamaican descent and being black, you know, you learn so much culturally, you learn so much, like it's insane how much you learn and you can, in like, terms of hair, you're talking in terms of everything or style, all in of terms it. of element, in terms of hair, instead of, in terms of style, in terms of like food, in terms of like dancing, dressing, like everything is like, it's so, it's such a culturally rich culture. Um, well, it's not, it's they, all the different cultures that I was raised in is all culturally rich. So I think it, you know, I think it, I, I looked at fashion and I looked at the world and I said, well, it would be great if we could integrate these two, because I, you know, just like how we're looking at this and saying, this is sophisticated and this is elegant. So is this. And is that, do you feel that that's hitting? Like, are people, are people responding positively to that? I guess so. That would be something I would want you to tell me. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm on this well, side. Well, I guess so, because you're working all the time. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm on this side just literally just being who I am. Um, right. Seeing the world the way I see it, um, which is a more diverse, more integrated world. In Do you think head. the industry is more diverse than when you were in it 10 years ago and started? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes, we still have a long way to go. But it is for sure. Do you think that it's important? I mean, this is kind of left, but do you think it's important for every hairstylist to know how to do every t- every type of hair? Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me about Absolutely. that because there's a lot of white hairstylists me, who I don't think, want or afraid, I think, to do black hair. I think hair. for me, it was really interesting to be on these teams and um, be able to work amazing with Asian hair do amazing white hair, do amazing black hair, do amazing uh, Hispanic hair on models. And um, I think it was really interesting to see some of my colleagues only work on hair that reminded them of themselves. Like, you know, they felt comfortable with that. I think with the way the industry is moving and not only the industry, just the way the world should be moving, I think people should definitely take the time to think outside of themselves. And like, you know, the, the worst thing for me is when a model or, or a celebrity feels, gets made to feel less than because whoever's working with them can't make them feel beautiful. Mm. So I think that going into this industry, people need to do their research and people need to educate themselves on everything because the world is diverse, especially with where we're headed. And if you only know how to do one thing, that's what you'll be doing, but you won't be doing it at the level you want to do it at because now things are changing. Well, um, also backstage, I feel like if you were black, we're going to give you the black models and you'll do that because that's you, your thing. You know, like like there were certain people who they just were like, okay, great. Now you don't have to do that. We can give everyone to Jawara who, you know, is that true? Um, in my experiences, it depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I make it a, I make it a duty to not to do that on my teams. I feel like it's important to kind of encourage people to like learn and step outside of themselves and continue to push and grow as people, not only as it relates to race, just as people, just to grow. Like I am always constantly pushing myself to grow, always constantly pushing my teammate, um, the people that work with me to grow as well. And I feel like, you know, it's very comfortable for people to say, oh, you look like her. So maybe you can do her hair easily. Yeah, I can. But 
what if we educate people? And I think sometimes backstage there's not enough time to educate people. So I, mm. I urge people to take their time off and really try it and really get it. And, you know, cause the worst thing is to have someone not feel like you're capable to do their hair. Then you, I feel like, are you really the hairstylist you say you are personally? So I have a question. I mean, Even when I- It's just learning the basics, like the basic upkeep. I don't feel like you need to be, you know, proficient in everything, but just the basic upkeep in in the hair, I think is a good start. Like you should be able to do whatever style is required of the same white model in, right. the, in the show. Like if you don't do sew-ins, that's another thing. Yes, yeah. But you should be able to work with their texture and do whatever- and give that girl what everyone else is getting. Yeah. And not only yeah. for the show, but just also in your life, I think it, it will enrich you as a stylist to be able to offer a versatile type of styling to everyone, you know, whether you have your own business outside of the shows or whether you are your own artist outside of the shows. I mean, I think it, and just being just a more well-rounded person, you know, like take the hair out of it. I think it's important for people just to be well, more well-rounded if you want to, live in this world that is very diverse. Well, I never understood why you wouldn't, like for makeup, why wouldn't you want to know how to do every skin tone? And if you don't, it seemed to me like you then you wouldn't consider yourself a good makeup artist. Like it was really important to me starting out to be able to ha- do anyone who sits in my chair and like not have that, what you were talking about, like someone feel less than because you're like, oh, I'm not going to make you feel beautiful when you leave my chair like you're not going to feel as good as you could like that Mm -hmm. would be a bad feeling for me to give to somebody um i think that when i'm doing white or black makeup the underlying principles are the same it's all light and shadows and color and things there's so there's tweaking and little things that you might do differently but it's it's all the it's all the same principles Mm -hmm. isn't that is that true in hair or is are you putting on a completely different thinking cap when you're working on different races um instead of races i would say textures because i know some white people who have very coarse hair and i know some black people who have looser curls like you know so i guess that's where i would make the differentiation but i think it's about I think it's a bit different with hair because you're working with a different medium. Mm. And it's about understanding that some hair is more water retentive than others. And, you know, um, I think it's about just really educating yourself and understanding. I went to, when I went to hair school, the education part on black hair was so minimal. Mm. Um, my, My colleagues, my school colleagues and I, found it basically we went to the board and we said we would like to do a class on this hair in school um and i think that um it kind of made people feel like oh wow okay and i think that it would be kind of good for people on them on their own to start to like research and find out hey let me find out more about this because it's like it's a whole world that if you kind of tap into it, you'll be so astonished on like how amazing you will, how amazing and well-rounded you would be as a stylist slash makeup artist if you can kind of like tap into these things. But Correct. I feel like hair and makeup is similar, but it's different in the sense of the medium. The skin is, skin is, everyone's skin is different and lights and shadows different, but like hair is a different, it's made the same as far as the, co- the cortex and everything, but just like texture wise, it's a bit different. Right. And that, um, 
you know, I remember being backstage and seeing some hairstylists do some things to, to textured hair. And I was like, wow, this is, this is not good. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, and then I remember other hairstylists doing things to textured hair. And I was like, okay, you can tell she doesn't work with this much, but she does her research on the side. And I love that. And then, you know, and I would, it would kind of push me to go over and be like, this is really good. I would just do this. And then they'll be like, oh, okay, perfect. And then the hair will come out amazing. You know, and I think. Well, yeah. And it's a curiosity into other people's yeah, it's just too. Really it cool. just shows that you're not all, only focused on one thing, which is yourself. Yeah. And I just, you know, not criticizing anyone, but I do feel like if you are focused on one thing, that maybe this is not the industry for you. I also ask people a lot of questions. If I see somebody on the street who has a beautiful foundation, no matter what color they are, I'm like, what are you wearing? Like, tell me what you do. That looks amazing. And people are usually very open to sharing. That's how people grow. That's how artists grow. You kind of, you're inquisitive and you're always a student. I also believe that once you are always a student of the world, you're going to learn things. One thing I did learn from uh, some of the people that I was assisting is they were constantly like being students, students and learning and learning from their assistants. And, you know, like, I think that what's, that's what makes you a better artist as opposed to, I know everything. I know what works on this. I've been working in here for 40 years and yeah, but the hair industry changes, texture, people are changing, people needs and wants are changing and the world changes so much. You have to constantly be a student and learn. And, and I think just being inquisitive and open to learn says a lot about you as a hairstylist. Do you ever worry about being put into a box? That because you can do black hair and because you're so good at it, that you will be labeled as that person and not people won't use you for everything that you're capable of. Worry about it? No, I'm never worried about it. I think that that's. Does that not exist? Am I making it up? No, no, it exists, but that's their problem, not mine. If you only see me as that, then you're missing out on a whole other part of my creative direction and, and. As a, me as an artist, how much I can do with other textures of hair, which mm-hmm. is a detriment to you, not me. Um, I do believe that there is that, but I think that once people shake that, they'll understand that that's not the case. Um, people are comfortable with what they know or what they feel like someone is good with. Um, just because I am good with black hair, that doesn't mean that I am solely a black hair stylist you know and that, that that's kind of really unfortunate if people look at it like that because it's like well you can't be anything else and that then we end up in the problem that we were in before so um i think people it would be good for them to think more forward and understand that i'm a hairstylist overall um i personally don't brand myself as that i love to just be an amazing artist at whatever i put my hands to um but no, I don't worry about that. That's the, that's the, whoever's, whoever's doing that. That's their issue, not mine. <laughs> but yeah, we live in the world. We live in the world of that. And, you know, and once that, once we could shake that whole myth of once this person is this, then that's what they're good at. And that's all I want to use them for. I think we could move a lot further. Yeah. And I also think you've done a good job of that because you are backstage with major fashion houses doing every range of model. And so I think, you know, you, you have, like you said, you have to show them the world in my, the world that I 
like to live in is of a, uh, a diverse world, like every range of person, like working with all types of people. And especially with this new role at ID, um, I, I would love to show beauty on all types of people, not just the, you know, the, the traditional way beauty, uh, outlets are run. So, um, yeah. Tell me about this new role at ID. Do you have the freedom to really do things that you've imagined that you wanted to do? Well, we've just started it. So we still figuring out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I am in great company, Alistair and Carlos and, and all the other editors that side on. I mean, I think they're such forward thinking people. Um, it's a youth magazine, but it's also like a, 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 a political fashion magazine. It's all in one. I think it's a great outlet to kind of just show. And, um, you know, a part of what I'm trying to do is commission other artists that wouldn't normally get a voice to, to show their work and display their work, um, in the beauty world and commission, uh, new photographers, commission, new stylists, commission, new people overall, because I feel like, you know, fashion, can be a bit stale with the same people styling and the same people working. And, you know, I just kind of want to shake it up a bit. So we're still working on it, but I think that, um, you know, for me, go back to the question that you did before to pigeonhole me as one thing, it's really unfortunate to whoever is thinking like that. And, you know, hopefully we can get people to start thinking forward and not just have people as one thing because people in fashion tend to do that sometimes. Uh, yeah. And I also think that what you were saying earlier about, I find um, the even fashion references to be super Eurocentric. And what, mm-hmm. what I mean, Euro I include America, but like even on set, like when you're given fashion references about what the shoot is going to be, it's mostly white women. Mm. Do you know? I mean, I find that it it could also use a broader kind of stroke of like you know including like people from different cultures as a part of the inspiration. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's what I personally try to do with everything that I'm involved with, but you're right. You know, there is a way of being that I feel like is, is needs to change. And, and I do see it slowly changing, but like I said before, we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Do you think social media help with that? Um, In a sense. Yeah. I think social media kind of puts things in your face, whether you ask for it or not, um, and kind of makes it easier for people to 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 say what they feel and show what they feel. Um, so yeah, I would say yeah, it has. Do you like social media? I do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about sometimes it. I, sometimes I like it a lot, and sometimes I'm like. <laughs> do you think it's helped your career? Um, does social media help my career? I think so. Yes. I think think it's helped everyone in our industry's career, but yeah, yeah, I'd be interested to hear how, what, in what way you you used it. You would have to go into the, the, the gutter of a magazine to find out who did something. Um, or you would have to go on the agency website. God knows if you had a computer or not. Um, you know, you would have to, to do your read, like you would have to literally be in magazine shops doing research all day to find out who did what. And now you wake up in the morning and you see this, did this person did this, this person did that. And it makes it more easier for clients to, uh, to relate you to something. It makes it more easier for, for people to relate you to something. So yeah, I think it is a bit easier. Um, social media is a funny medium though, because sometimes it's really, really good. And sometimes it's like a lot. 
<laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think it, it's also interesting to see what people respond to. I, I think yeah. that it's helped broaden the kind of conversation of, of subjects, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are interested in seeing a wider variety of subject than just what we've seen in Vogue for 60 years. Right. And I think that that has in some way indirectly or directly changed those old guard magazines because people are realizing now that there's a voice for it. There's an audience for it. There's a voice that says this, we demand representation. Mm -hmm. And in some way it's, it's made it in that part of it. I think social media has been super positive Mm -hmm. in terms of giving, giving everyone a voice. I agree. I think it's definitely been positive in that sense. It's given everyone a voice and it's making it easier to, to express yourself. Um, do you ever compare yourself to other people? Not at all. Looking at social media, how do you avoid that? Um, I was when I was young. My mother and father told me about like you know if you look at a horse race, they only get go faster if they look straight forward. They can't look left or right. And I've kind of kept that. There's been times when it's not been um, easy to do that. But um, I think for me, I've always just been a person who's just understand that what I do is what I do. And, you know, there are going to be others that do something similar to what you do or something near what you do. But what you actually do is not, you know, and this hasn't been easy because I've, I've been in situations where I've seen things on social media that reminded me of something. Um and you know it's been like oh okay this is this is nice <laughs> you mean something that you've done yeah uh-huh but i mean i think that you know there's nothing new under the sun i, I pull from inspirations um from past and you know i'm sure you know i think it, it it's it's something that it's just a it, you know it's all it's a tale of time so that's what's going to happen um but i think comparing yourself to someone on social media is artistic suicide Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you about, so you have an editorial career, but you've also had a life in a salon. So mm-hmm. one is with models and fashion industry, and the other is with real women in the real uh-huh. world. Uh-huh. Do they have any overlap in terms of the aesthetics? And can women in your real world in the chair pull anything from the from what you're doing in your yeah, fashion life? I mean, a lot of the things that I've done in my salon world, I've brought it into my editorial world, but just put a spin on it. Um, you know, either hype it up or hype it all the way down. Like a lot of the skills, a lot of the skill sets that I used, you know, uh, for example, learning how to do a sewing in the salon now on set sewing tons and tons of wigs to one head. <laughs> like uh-huh. it, it's, it's definitely come from, you know, a base. And I think even when I was in the salon, there was a, there was a part in my life when I was assisting, but I was still in the salon, the things that I would learn from session world, we call it the session world. I would kind of like bring those things into the salon as well. When it came to like doing an updo for a wedding or doing a, you know, like, you know, just bringing a more session world vibe to things. Um, I always find it interesting to intertwine them both. And, and, you know, for me, I've always treated my real woman clients as if they were models um, and the same as the model. So do you still do both? um, I don't do both as much anymore, but um, I think moving into the future, I'm thinking about opening up a salon space. So I might be doing that again. 
that would be amazing. Yeah. I wanted to ask you when, so you're now built up your career. You went on your own in 2013, cut to today. You're working with, you know, Hermes, Celine, like these really big fashion houses with really big designers. How do you show your, I don't know if authority is even the right word, but how do you walk into that situation and, and hold your own? Like mentally, what do you? Well, I, well, I go into every situation knowing that there's no one in this world. I believe that all of us are equal. I don't believe that anyone is more than any other. And I think that's how I step onto every set. I am very courteous and I, I like for things to be great and in a cool atmosphere. Um, I don't believe in hierarchy of a person or whatever. So I think I approach everything with respect. Just I would give the same respect to someone who is assisting me that I would give to the creative director of a brand. Mm. Um, that's just personally how I work. And that's just personally how I've been living my whole life. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's. So have you, you've never just, felt intimidated like at a job where you felt you really well, I mean, Yeah. Perform. I mean, I've, I've gone into places where I have been like, okay, oh my gosh, I love this designer my whole life, you know, yeah. nervous, but I always have this thing, no matter what, I don't know what it, I can explain it when, before I get into a person, I just say, wait, but, but you know, you're Jawara, right? Which means like, <laughs> it's basically reassuring me that I'm here for a reason. So be that reason that you're here for. You know, like be that person that you're here for. Think about all the people that will not get to have this opportunity. Think about all the people that will be snubbed from an opportunity like this and just stand up and hold your own. And that's what I do. Can I use that? Can I say to myself, but you know, you're Drawara, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Again. <laughs> and it's not, a, and, and you know, I don't want to say it as a. Um, no, I love it. I think it's. I don't want to say it as a. a either conceited or arrogant thing, but I think that people don't really understand all of the images and all of the things that, you know, all of the messages that society gives you when you are a minority that you kind of have to instill a certain confidence within yourself to, 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 to move through these worlds and move through this adversity in a certain way. And that's kind of what my foundation my family has done for me at a young age. And that's kind of what I use to go into these rooms and shake the room up. So your family taught you to do that. Yeah. Do you, I also was raised by all superstars. <laughs> so, it's right. like, you know, being raised into that, it's like these people are divine and they are, they are, they walk with a godly presence. So it's kind of like my duty to stand up in that same presence, you know? But also it's to combat the racism that you're feeling every day when you go out into the world, right? So you have to tell yourself something to combat that feeling is kind of what I heard you say. In a sense, but outside of that, outside of the racism, just within myself, even if it's in a room with people feel like me, I walk in a room like that. Right, right. I'm sorry. I thought when you were saying about like when you're a minority, um, you have to tell yourself it's, it's not necessarily like a race driven thing. It's more so of like a person driven thing. Like I, within myself, do that everywhere I go, whether I am in a hair salon full of this type of person, whether I'm mm-hmm. on stage, whether I'm at backstage or off white, whether I'm doing a campaign with Hermes, whether I am working with 
Chanel Beauty, what I'm working with, uh, you know, Mugler, whether I am teaching a class in a Brooklyn salon to some young kids, it's the same. It's the same type of thing I like to work. And walk. the message is what? The message is to just be true to yourself and who you are and just know that you're worthy to be here. So I stand, I stand in that, you know? Yeah. And for that to work, you have to really believe it. Yes. You have to believe it. It has to be something that you actually live and breathe. And it's not every day you're going to feel like that. Don't get me wrong. But I think that if you have that as a base, you can definitely walk into every room and, you know, and even if, you know, there's this high idea of uh, elitism and all of that in this, in this world that I work in and, you know, those things to me, that's kind of how I have to move into these worlds. Yeah. And you have, and if you don't value elitism, then it, then it doesn't have such a strong hold over you. Exactly. Right. That's my pet peeve. This isn't about me, but like when I see someone in our industry be really nice to someone powerful and then really terrible to someone who's not, that's my pet peeve. I just can't take it. It's like my Achilles heel. Mine too. And you see it a lot. You see it a lot. Also, I think everybody could stand to tell themselves something positive. You know, it feels so second nature to tell for me to tell myself something negative or that mm-hmm. you're not enough or you're looking at social media and you're saying, I'm not that, or I'm less than. Yeah. So telling yourself you are enough and you have a right to be here and stand right. in your truth is just as truthful, let's say, as the negative part. It's just choosing. I, think, I think it's the most truthful, but I don't want you to feel like I never have that. Um, never have those other thoughts from time to time. I'm a human being. So of course, you know, there are. And what t- do you do in those times? You just, sleep it off or no, I take, I take a time to myself and I just like go back into myself and say, okay, well, if you feel like that, how could you make it better? How could you be better? But then I, I always come out with the idea of like, just me understanding that, wow, like, you know, you really have a voice, you really have a point of view. Um, and it needs to be shown. If people get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't, at least you did what you were here to do. Chirara is on a mission. Yeah. I find that you're like really resourceful. You found the the credits in a magazine. You emailed the agents of these artists that you idolized. You went to FIT. You moved to London. Like you're you're somebody who's going to figure out what needs to be done and go for it. Mm-hmm. What could you say that made you like that versus the guy who just still works? And not that there's anything wrong with that, but still works at the local salon. Like, what is it about you that that you? Do well, that? I don't. I. I- can't really speak on what the guy at the salon is going through. Right. Um, I know for me, I know that I, when I set my mind on something, I am extremely ambitiously. Uh, I have sometimes ambitious goals that might not seem realistic to others. And that has never like phased me. If someone doesn't really get what I'm trying to do, I'm not like, you know what, maybe it's too far beyond my reach. I am always thinking about troubleshooting, always thinking about how to make things better, how to get to the next place. And I think that it's just like understanding what you want and really going for it. I think for me to be from where I'm from and to work in this world of fashion, not seeing much of uh, myself in it, I kind of had to like have tunnel vision to just keep going, 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 going. And I'm still going. And I'm still growing and I'm learning so much more about the world and people and, 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 and shooting and marketing and, you know, 
Um, I think if you are at a place in life where you are content with where you are, that's where you end up mm. being and staying, which is fine. But I'm one of those people that are always like, this is amazing, but I think it could be better or I want more or I, hmm, what's the next, what's the next step after this? Did think, you ever feel like giving up? Actually once. Yeah. Not giving up, but it was more so of, okay, this is going to take a lot more than what I thought it was going to take. Mm. Um, you know, when I got up and moved to London, there was a time when I wasn't really working. I didn't know much people there. I was like just coming from the assisting world. So, you know, you don't go to hire the assistant when London already has all these amazing hairstylists. And there was a time when I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of tough. And London also has that weather that doesn't <laughs> oh my god it's feel optimistic at times so it was really interesting um to kind of like sit with myself and i think that's kind of where i sat and like i grew with myself like you know what you have a point of view that has not been seen you have this you have that and i kind of just built up myself again um to go even harder but yeah it did get a bit tough so was it just perseverance and you ended up getting some some um some opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I'm the type of person, if I say I want to paint this road yellow and you're telling me the cops are saying you're going to get locked up if you paint it yellow, I'm going to paint it yellow. Like I'm going to get there, you know, like I'm going to figure it out. Everything else in my life has to take a little bit of a backseat. I'm going to figure it out. Well, what about the backseat? Did you, do you feel like you've had to sacrifice things to get where you're? Absolutely. I've missed so much. uh, My family means everything to me. I've missed so much, um, sentimental ceremonies um i've missed friends birthdays I've, I've put a lot financially into this career myself i had to put a lot of it into it it doesn't start off as like you're getting paid to go over here and do this you're getting paid to this is like me paying for flights me paying for hotels me paying for you know using my salary as an assistant to to take me to these places there's a lot of things that people don't understand. Meaning also like if a job, if there's a job and you did, and they weren't going to pay to have you go, you would put yourself there for the opportunity. I would put myself there. You know, um, I never ended up being anyone's first assistant. So usually when you're in a first assistant, everything is paid for, everything is handled. Um, and I kind of cultivated that and did that all myself. I mean, of course, after a while, you know, when you're on the, someone's team, they kind of pay for the team to come out there and they, whatever. But, um, you know, I've always believed in putting money into yourself, like paying for, for paying for, uh, expenses and paying for photographers if I needed to and paying for flights, paying for whatever. And hair. And oh my God, hair is expensive. Do you, do you now have like such a more appreciation for everything that you have? Like I just, hairstylist buying hair it's so much it's insane i don't think people understand it's insane it's insane and i think that um i don't even show how much i put into i i I don't speak about it much because i I feel like it's just something that i had to do but i've definitely put a lot and that's an understatement a whole lot personally physically emotionally spiritually into this career of what i have now and you know there were times when it was really 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 it didn't look promising because I didn't have any examples of people that looked like they were doing what I was trying to do from me being from where I'm from, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And that's p- particularly true in hair? In hair and in the industry. Mm-hmm. 
period. Why would it have been beneficial or important for you to see someone who looks or comes from your world? I think representation is a very important thing. If you see someone that looks like you doing something that you want to do or aspire to be like, it makes it real in your mind. If you see Obama be a president, then you feel like, oh, wow, then I could be president too. If for years you haven't seen anyone in the presidency look like you, then you don't feel like it's an, uh, sometimes, you know, it's just the natural default of the human way. If you, if you don't see an example of it, you kind of, you can make yourself the first example of it, or you can be, you can fall into a thing where it's like, well, that's not usually for me. So let me go the other route. Um, And, you know, for me being in this field, it's something that I'm kind of going back and forth with, but I've always said, I'm not, I don't really care other than just making sure that I get there because I have so much to say. And that's where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah. I like that. What about your personal life? If you, has that also been sacrificed or have you been able to I have also? No, I haven't had a personal life. You have no personal life. Okay. <laughs> but do you want one? Yes. Yes. I'm working on that now. Was COVID a way for you to pay more attention to your personal life? COVID was, it was definitely like a way for me to regroup and for me to re re reevaluate what's important to me. Um, and, you know, even though it was a, such a, is such a crazy time and such a detrimental time to a lot of people, it definitely just re- made me refocus what's important. And that, that's kind of what I'm working on now. Are you um, going to change things about the way you work moving forward? I have already. Really? I have already. I've definitely, um, I, if I lend myself to a project, it has to kind of speak to me. It has to feel like it's for me or it has to feel like it's something that's interesting as opposed to just doing things to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't believe that I have, you know, much to give anything that doesn't really feed me or the world. So, um, I'm really strategic now with what with what I'm doing and I'm taking more time to live life and be with family and, and travel outside of work just to like be inspired and, 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 you know, live more of a full life as opposed to just work, 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 work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest, if you could name one thing, what was the biggest obstacle you had to overcome to get to where you are? I think in fashion, sometimes things are really clickish. People tend to work with who they know. People tend to work with their friends. Mm. Um, and for me, being from one place and moving to another place where nobody knows me, I think one of the biggest obstacles I, have to go, I had to overcome was just trying to like to push myself to be out and to meet people and, and to kind of like, because I'm more of like a, I tend to be an introvert sometimes. So one of the biggest obstacles I had to overcome was just like to get out there and actually like meet people and push my ideas and and, and, and you know, um, like networking? Yeah. Well, I mean, like just getting to work with people in a place that you've, that you don't live, you've never lived, you know? Like, and it's not like a place where everyone it's the big place. So it's not like everyone congregates in one place. So it's like, you know, I think trying to navigate my way through that was, a, was a big, was an obstacle, but to be honest, it wasn't that big of an obstacle. So I don't know if I've had a, like a huge obstacle just because of my mindset. I've always feel like I'm going to do this. Yeah, I guess obstacles don't really present themselves as much if you're laser focused on what you want to accomplish. 
Yeah. Or there are obstacles, but maybe you don't view them as obstacles as someone that would see that and be like, okay, I give up, you know, um, giving up has never been an option for me, but I just know that there are some, there are some things that, you know, was harder to jump over than others. Um, but yeah, like getting out there and, and, and giving my pushing and meeting new teams in a new, I like to call it a new world was very (laughs) trying for me. Did you ever get to work with somebody who you dreamed of working with? Yes. Um, well, that has happened to me a lot. <laughs> so it all depends. But I think it's like a surreal experience. Um, I've dreamed of working with so many models. I've dreamed of working with so many celebrities. I've dreamed of working with so many. I've dreamed of assisting a certain hairstylist that I, I ended up assisting. Um, I, I think for me, it's more so of like a... I get beside myself like, oh my God, I said I, I, said I was going to do this and now I'm doing this. Right. And is it hard when you actually are in that moment working with that person um, to, to not geek out or be a fan, like a fan? Well, it depends. I think for me, going back to what I said before, I like to think of myself as like an equal to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's that element of it. But then sometimes like, when you're working with someone that you've been seeing your whole life on TV or in films or where, who, they, can you tell me who one of those people would be that you got the chance to work with? Yeah. Basically everybody worked with. Um, I think working with Solange mm-hmm. was like that. Working with Beyonce was like that. Working with Alec Weck was like that. Working with Naomi Campbell definitely was like that because i wanted i i used when i was a kid in jamaica i used to look at images of naomi campbell and just feel like i'm oh my god she's like from another world and and she's also jamaican yeah Yeah. which was like a very and you know i found that out at a young age and i was almost like oh my gosh she's from like she she's a descendant of jamaica too so it made me feel you know she was one of her images were one of the things that kind of gave me hope that there is a world what so, happened when you got the call that you'd be working with her? Um, I almost died. <laughs> Who called you? Who called me again? Um, one of the editors from British Vogue. Um, it's so funny because I ended up, the first time I worked with her, I did a British Vogue story with her and Edward Edenfall, someone else that I've always wanted to work with. So I felt like it was so surreal that this was happening. And you know, we were traveling to Africa. I was like, this is a dream. This is a dream. This is a dream just to shoot an editorial. And, you know, she came highly recommended from him and her. And I was just like, this can't be real. And now um, looking back at it, that was insane. That was an insane experience. Wow. And and you were able to really just lean into that and appreciate it at the time. Yeah. And have dinner with them and sit with them and talk to them and hear them talk about times that I remember like, looking at them in magazines or on TV shows and, you know, like hearing some of the stories of like what they've been through. And it's just like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, for my last question, I ask everyone this, but if you were able to go back in time and meet yourself somewhere, where would it be? And what would you say? Um, there was a time when I gave up hair and I, uh, went to school. Actually, no, I would still do the school, but <laughs> I went to school for fashion merchandising, but I would tell my younger self, 
here's a beautiful medium for you to express yourself and don't look at it as don't look down on it because you feel like you're going to stand behind someone and just like be their glorified help all day. Cause I, at one point in my mind, when I was a teenager, I thought that, you know, I don't want to do it anymore. Cause I feel like I'm just going to be like, I didn't, I didn't feel it was sophisticated enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go back and tell myself that, you know, this is going to change your life. And, and this is extremely sophisticated. It's extremely amazing, extremely intricate. If you let it take you there, that's what I would do. Um, so for the last thing, I wanted to play a game with you. Uh-huh. Um, so everything nineties is so like in right now. I just feel like we've, re- we've done it all like the nineties, 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 everybody wants a part of it. So I'm going to name a hairstyle from the nineties and you just tell me like, yeah, you're into it, bring it back or, you know, send mm-hmm. it. Okay. Okay. So the first look is the Tony Braxton pixie. Bring it back for sure. Okay. And have you done it recently? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what I, about? I just a, did it in Paris last week, actually. I, I'm i always down for Tony Braxton Pixie. I do too. I, it's timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaliyah Silky Straight. Uh, I think that's already here. We don't have to bring that back. That's already here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandy Micro Braids. Definitely bring it back. Definitely bring it back. As a matter of fact, I brought it back too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You also have to tell us if you already brought it back. Yeah. Um, how about French roll, AKA French twist? Yes. Bring it back. Really? Yes. Okay. I mean, I, I remember in the nineties, like, like it nobody was so I feel popular. Like, yeah. And I feel like it was like an elegant way, but you can kind of make it more street if you wanted to by adding yeah. things to it. And I feel like that was like, artistry in here that we kind of miss i say bring it back okay pin curls uh bring that back too (laughs) i just brought that back recently again okay finger waves little over finger waves at the moment okay i've always been using them but if it can be brought back in a new way yes bring it back okay um asymmetrical bob asymmetric bob well, those are kind of fire too, but maybe we could pass on that one. Um, what about Shirley Temple curls or Marilyn? Shirley Temple curls, mm, maybe not. Oh, good. Okay, but Marilyn, yes. Okay, crimped hair. If it's the big crimps, the huge oversized crimp, yes. Okay, but we're not feeling the the smaller section crimps. Okay, not not at this moment. Okay, what about drops like T boss? <gasps> yes, bring it back, please. <laughs> what about T boss is also a hair icon. I was talking to someone about that the other day. T boss is actually a huge hair icon that nobody ever really gives her credit. She was always playing with the hair, always. I I mean, all three of them are amazing. Yeah. But yeah, um, uh, what about uh, semi-cornrows with wisps of hair coming out and then the butterfly clips are optional? Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yes, I 90s? do, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> Maybe we can leave that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about a really high braid, like sit, like um, kind of like Janet and Poetic Justice where it sits on the top of the head? I think that's back already. Oh, okay. That's been back over the past couple of summers i think okay 
Um, hair scrunchies? No. Um, what about the over-layered hair of the 90s? Like, kind of like the 90s Farrah Fawcett layers? I'm into over-layered hair. I just feel like the textures would have to be different now. Okay. What about the shortest possible platinum pixie? Kind of like um, Jada Pinkett? Yes, always. Down. Okay. What about um, Hillary Banks curls and possibly with a statement hat or bow? I would say more when Hillary Banks did a French roll. <laughs> okay. When Hillary Banks did a French roll, but then like the curls came cascading to the side, that was hilarious to me always. Okay. Um, what about a sleek high pony with, with the um, swoop bang? You know, like the, the one piece swoop in the front. That's pretty back. It's, it's all over Instagram. Okay. Already back. Pony swoop yeah. is back. And what about chunky highlights, any color? No, I can't stand chunky highlights. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> well, that is about it. I thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to um, seeing your career even more on you know social media and hopefully get to meet you one day. Yeah, for sure. I hope so, too. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thank you. All right. Have a good one. Okay, you too. Bye.